0: Well, you know, I just heard a pastor speak, thank God for a man, first of all, a guy that will stand up and tell it like it is, with guts, there's still some hanging around, and you've got one, and uh, you know, I feel like the preaching is already done, and I'm not flattering you, I don't flatter, but I tell you what. You won't find that in 5% of the churches in America that a man of God will stand up with the right heart and right spirit and cover and shepherd the people of God. It's just tremendous. And it's, it's a joy for us really to be part of what's going on now. We, we're overseers, I guess so, and that's great. But, you know, we're working together. Uh, I, I'm not much in the hierarchy and all this. It's relational, and let's help each other. And when we get around Kevin and Tracy, we really get as much help as we give. I can guarantee you that. And uh, I am just inspired today to be here, honestly. You've got a wonderful church, and this service is in order. Thank God for order. Oh, my. Maybe you've had it all the time, but if you ever get in disorder, and then you come in a place of order, it's like so refreshing and so protective, and so you, you're you in a good spot here. And I'm not just saying that to flatter. You're in a good spot. I mean, be thankful. And uh, look at it with wide open eyes. And uh, let's see this thing grow and go. To have a man and a woman of God overseeing your local work here. And who's got their life together. And who's got their family together. And they have integrity. And as we've gotten to know them, they do have integrity. And... Uh, you know they pursued us, but when somebody starts pursuing you, it's so good to be pursued by somebody worthwhile. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I mean, I've been chased by dogs before. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about not, not too much, <laughs> not too much about that, <laughs> several times, and other things, armadillos and other stuff. But uh, but I am I am just really really at ease and and really excited about what God's going to do with this church. He's already doing things, but this ain't it, folks. You've just begun. I mean, you're getting ready to step out into something great, you know. I did want to acknowledge my wife of 37 years. And I know, that, I know it's hard to believe that we've been married 37 years, you know. I know I don't look like I've been married 37 years. But we have. Matter of fact, we've known each other for 41 years. We've been together. I pursued her in high school. She didn't like me kept breaking up with me I still dream about it still got an insecurity in me you know
1: <laughs>
0: you know sometimes I, oh, I dream that she I, I you know when I dream I dream a lot that I I'm in this place like a place like and she just ignores me and I just try to get around and she just doesn't act like i I even exist see that I need to be delivered that's a throwback of insecurity when I used to chase her around the halls of East Engine High School and say why are you breaking up with me why are you Any of you have insecurities like that? Come on now. But but I'm not any longer because I figure if she's been with me 41 years, we're going to finish it out. Simply because she doesn't want to train another man. (laughs) She's got me trained, dude. Let me tell you men something. You're the boss. That's all I got to say. Just leave it alone. Hallelujah. But I did come here, what I believe is, is a word to, to help us move to a different level. Uh, I was watching the 2008 Olympics. You know, it's still going on. they like the Olympics that never end. And uh, matter of fact, last night when you dropped us off, we walked in the lobby of the hotel and there was the ladies relay race for the go on and begin to watch it and I mean these ladies were running you hear me and uh you know America was there in about fourth or fifth place and you know it is when they start out one girl's leading but she can't finish it you know and then when it gets down to the last half lap or whatever they run they really kick it in and so this woman from Russia kicked it in and she took the lead and and then the woman from America she comes up from the USA you know she comes up right behind her and it's a race it really is And then I noticed something about the Russian. She started looking at the big board ahead, above. And I noticed the American looking at the finish line. And I mean, they were running, you hear me? I mean, it was for the goal. Everything that they've worked for all of their life is on the line. And the American, the the USA woman, she is looking at the finish line with, with tenacity like I've not seen in many athletes. But the Russian woman kept looking up at the board. And the more she looked up the more momentum she lost. And the more that USA woman doggedly looked at that line, something kicked in, and she passed that woman and took the goal for the relay. It was tremendous. And I thought about you, and I thought about us, and I thought about the church, and I thought about keeping our eyes on the prize of the high calling I'm talking about keeping our eyes on the finish line and quit looking here and looking there and looking all around and getting involved in all kinds of things and losing our momentum in God because there is a momentum in God and once you get on it I tell you God will move and you will move with God and as a church great things will happen but you know the Olympics I, I notice these little rings you notice the little rings? I drew this on the PowerPoint. You know, I said, that's kind of unity. Those little rings kind of represent unity. But I didn't, I didn't think they represented enough unity, so I kind of changed the symbol. And I want to talk to you this morning for just a few minutes about, you know, unity, the key to advancement. And there's got to be a unifying of the body of Christ. Now, I'm sure your pastor has preached to you about this and, and, and has done a, a great job. But, but I believe that you are on the precipice of tremendous growth and influence In this region, God needs churches that are unified and are powerful, that are biblically based, not legalistic, that are biblically based, not just running off doing anything, but that are people who love the Word of God and love the God of the Word of God, and who embrace it to the best of their ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, and who listen to what God says, even if it comes against what we want to believe sometimes God will come in and will lead you in a direction that you don't want to go he is sovereign if we believe that then he gives and he takes away but blessed be the name of the Lord and so we got to kind of get in this thing where we understand that God is in control really Not just that we're giving him a little sign, you know, a little high five and say, yeah, God, you're doing great. But that he is the sovereign Lord and he is in control of our life. And he does want his church lined up, lined out and ready to go. And so, you know, I'm going to begin where everybody begins when we talk about unity in the book of Psalms. Chapter 133. Because I want to, and I've really only got three portions of scripture to go over with you today today. <clears throat> to prepare you for what you're going to do. You have purchased land. Pastor Kevin brought us out there yesterday. I am excited about the land we're buying. I said I'm excited about the land we're buying. And it's not just you buying the land. We in this thing together. And you're buying land. And I'm excited. And already he's got vision. He said you know there's some wonderful oak trees back then. If we could just walk back there right now. If you could see right when you turn here. And you go there. See already I believe he's got it all sensed out you know what I mean a visionary is one that's a little bit ahead of everybody else looking out there So, sort of like a scout remember the old cavalry that sent from the wagon train that sent the scout out well everybody was in their wagons taking care of all their stuff but that one scout he saw a little bit further and I could tell that he's already got this thing swirling around big time and he should that's his job that's his calling to do that, to go out a little bit ahead. In Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore father we thank you for the word of god and we thank you that lord you watch over it to perform it we pray today that as our hearts are opened as our minds are ready that you will speak to us and i believe lord that this church will be different when they walk out of the doors in a little while i believe lord that your word is powerful it discerns the heart it tears things apart and it builds things back up and I trust you that you'll do something with it today in the hearts and lives of all the people of Legacy Church. Thank you for this place, this pastor, his wife, his family, the influence, and the legacy that they project in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Dwelling together in unity is good and pleasant. And there are really blessings that come along with this thing of unity. Now, now you know as I watched the Olympics, and I did get to watch some of it, I watched the teams, and I watched the unity that they had. You know, they they would uh, finish an event, they'd all get together, and they'd talk, and sometimes the mic was there, and you know, you would look like they would pray, you know, if they were at church, but they were just talking, you did a good job, I was just wondering, yeah, we're going to do, we can do this thing, yes, we've gone here, we've done this, yes, 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 and and, you know, there's a certain form of unity in that, a camaraderie, if you would. Just recently, one of our city police officers were was uh, killed in an automobile accident motorcycle cop and uh, someone pulled out in front of him right there on Main Street uh, Gulfport and he died right there on the spot and and the mayor had called me and some other pastors together to meet a couple hours after his death in a in a courtroom with a lot of the police officers and law enforcement of the area just to encourage and and uh, as I stood there I realized that these police officers, they truly have a brotherhood. I mean, men were walking in crying, weeping, holding on to each other. And I just sat back there, and I mean, we were the pastors, but we were like on the outside of this thing because this was a brotherhood. And I watched as they embraced each other and. You know, they brought up the pastors up front and said they're here to help you. But they didn't. They didn't come to us. They went to each other. Those that were Christians were praying for others. And and there was a great unity there. And I thought, Lord, can we have that in the church? Can we have that among pastors? You know, and all of a sudden, they were getting phone calls from all over the Gulf Coast, Alabama, Florida. And then the, the day of the funeral, we were going north uh to north mississippi and coming down south were police officers on on motorcycles and in their cars from every county of the state of mississippi they came in they brought resources they 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 had such a great camaraderie and brotherhood but yet they didn't personally know this cop and they said "So we don't know him but that doesn't matter he's one of us and i thought god i want that in pastor's that, that I could come to the aid of a pastor in Montana without even knowing him. I've got to know everybody to help. I think we need to know those that labor among us. Thank God for that, brother. You're right. But also just to help men in need. To, to have that, that that foresight, that vision, that unity to say, you know what? I don't completely know you, but I'm going to help you because we in this thing together. And that's how churches ought to be in church people. We're so divided as churches. You know, we, we want to unify churches, but I tell you what, we need to get unity right up in here. Right up here in this house right here. And if you want to go further, you've got to get unity up in your house. At your house. You see, you buy a house, but you make a home. And I've been a lot of houses that had no home in it. You know, so, it, you know, what, what are some of the blessings of this thing called unity? Well, one, one is peace never underestimate what people can do when they're at rest a body now you're getting ready to move into a building program and praise God for it and you will build and it won't be long you'll be dancing on the carpet of that new building it's a coming it's going to happen as sure as you're standing here today but I'll tell you what we need to unify around this purpose and it is a purpose And, you know, everything else is going to continue to go on. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to church. The world is here. The world is there. We're winning people. We're discipling people. But we're building also. When when Katrina came through, you know, we were messed up real bad. And after several months, I was talking to my city councilman. And all he could think about was picking up trash. And I said, Mr. Resch, we've got to think about more than just picking up trash. We've got to be building while we're cleaning up. But he never could see that we should do that. He was just single-minded. we got to pick up trash. we got to pick up debris. And we had a lot of debris to pick up. We still have got debris to pick up. But we're building now. And so with you, you're going to sort of be going in several directions at the same time here as a body. And that's all right and that's good. And a lot of people get in trouble when they build and people get all mad and things happen. But I find just the opposite with us. It unifies everybody. And the same thing can happen to you so peace and being at rest when you're unified the last thing we need is any kind of inner fighting now i'm going to talk as an overseer today hallelujah and i'm going to help you to see that not only is there the blessing of peace but there's the blessing of freedom when we move into this thing called blessing this you know distractions need to cease in the name of jesus this is important what we're doing here this is about eternity we're not just building a building to say, hey, look at us, we've got our own building. You've got a wonderful building here. It's not yours, I understand, but it's not just about building a building. It's about building a place where we can disciple. It's a barn to whole our soul, souls. It's, it's a place to come and do the work of the kingdom. And it's very, very important. Some people say, well, you could have church under an oak tree. And I say, you sure can, but I don't want to. I won't have church up in a building, praise God. And so we're free from distractions. You know, you may have to, in this process, find yourself cutting off distractions. Last time I came, I spoke to you about Nehemiah, my favorite guy in the Bible other than Jesus. I mean, powerful guy, you know, a leader of leaders. And he was not distracted about one thing whenever he got up on that wall and began to build it. Nothing would bring him off of the wall until he finished it. And nothing should take us off of the wall until we're finished. Not only that, but in in this thing called unity, there's great creativity. And you need creativity. You know, brother, I appreciate the way you run your service. It's orderly. It's on time. Come on now. Everything is right on. Wonderful communication. When you leave here, you know what's going on in this church. You understand what the leadership is saying. It's wonderful, no distractions, but there's creativity here. Like when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost were in perfect unity in the book of Genesis, and they said, let us make men in our image. Totally unified, and out of that unity comes the creativity of all of creation. It's amazing what happens when people unify, and God begins to put giftings together, and all of a sudden, this thing begins to really work like it's supposed to work. Some of you are sitting out here right now, and you say, say well, what can I do? Well, I tell you what, you're going to find out what you can do, and you're going to start to do it. I appreciate these ladies coming up here. I could just see one of them kind of weeping on the other end here. See, that's the heart for what's going on. And when you get somebody with a heart for what's going on, watch out. Oh, you might just hand out a few little certificates right now, one or two, and, 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 and somebody might say, well, that's kind of small, but I didn't. I thought, this is fabulous. This is wonderful. This is it. Because one day it'll be 20 or 40, you understand. It's a coming. And you know what? If you can't bring them off the street, just make your own. I told our congregation, I said, we're going to multiply one way or the other. And I just, you know, sometimes I just kind of flippantly say things. I I just kind of joke. I say, I want everybody that can be pregnant, get pregnant. But get married first, but then get pregnant, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I was just kind of joking all of a sudden, like popcorn. I mean, I think we got eight women pregnant right now. We just had about six babies already. And, I mean, you know, and eight more. And, I mean, you know, who knows what. I mean, let's build it, praise God. But that little guy that comes skipping across here and across here, you see, they're just little guys now. But in just a matter of, before you look up again, there'll be a teenager. Before you look up again... Pastor, you'll be preaching to some of those. They over here, they'll be with their new wife over here. It's that quick. It happens that quick. And it takes unity to be creative. But also in this thing of unity, another blessing is that of vision. Oh, thank God for vision. You know, you've got to have an idea of what's going on, where you're going, how you're going to get there, and who you're going with. And when, when the pastor, your pastor has vision, it's, it's so wonderful. I've been around so many guys, they're kind of just walking around wondering what, what, trying to find a new book that somebody might tell them what to do. You know, like go to a new conference. But I tell you what, when the man of God goes before God and gets the plan of God for a people, we must unify behind that vision and move forward. And when a man of God... And a woman of God live right and make right choices. You as a congregation stand behind them. And the more right choices they make, the more you stand. The more right choices they make, the more you trust. The more you trust, the more you unite. The more you unite, the more progress you make. Does that make sense to you? I don't think I'm preaching above your head, am I? I'm sure I'm not. You know, I'm a simple guy. But I'll tell you what, the simplistic things of life is what rule in our life. The little foxes spoil the vine, and little people build the kingdom. Hallelujah. So there's the the blessing of unity. But then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the Scripture says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which which you were called. Uh, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as there is one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of us all who is above all and through all and in all well that's a picture of unity but this verse here that says in verse three endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there's got to be a keeping of unity There is an enemy, he is real, that seeks to take unity and destroy it. Whether it's in a family, in a business, in a government, or a church. We've got to keep unity. We've got to endeavor. Endeavor means to use speed, to make an effort, to be prompt or earnest. It's talking about work. It takes work to keep unity. You have to watch. That word keep means to watch, to guard To to protect against invasion. And every one of us has a personal responsibility to keep the unity of the Spirit in this church. It's not just that of the pastor and the pastor's wife and the pastor's family or a few of the leaders kind of get together. We're just trying to hold this thing together. No, each one of you who name the name of Jesus and who attach themselves to this local fellowship has an enormous responsibility to fight for freedom and to fight for unity. It's of the utmost importance that you fight for unity, especially you young people who are raising young children. This church needs to be a place of peace and calm, and this room needs to be what it is called a sanctuary. We, when we enter into the church, we, we leave the world system It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And it should not be a dog-eat-dog world in here. We should not bite and devour one another in this fellowship. You know, sometimes church is in such sad shape that lost people come in and they see it and say, Well, I got this outside. Why I need this? I fuss enough at my house and on my job. I don't need to come on Sunday and see all this fussing going on. I don't understand church fussing, to be quite honest with you. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's got to be of the devil and of the flesh. Because I know it's not of God. You know, church splitting, forget it. No more. This church will never split again in Jesus' name. That's it. Never. Don't even even think about it. This thing of irreconcilable differences is not to be mentioned. Every difference is reconcilable. Every problem is reconcilable. All you've got to do is just agree together and be biblical about it. You see, and, and here he is saying, keep this thing. It, it also means to keep your eye upon it, not with a casual gaze. You know, sometimes when I'm watching television, I just casually gaze. Like, especially when the commercials are on. Jan sometimes say, what was that commercial about? I say, what commercial? What? I mean, I'm, I'm looking that way, but I'm, I'm not really gazing at it. But what the apostle is telling us here is that when it comes to unity and endeavoring to keep, you've got to keep a gaze. You've got to have your eyes wide open on this thing. You have to walk circumspectly in this church with your eyes wide open. Not like a hawk trying to squelch out any bit of life, not as a legalistic baron trying to tear things apart, but as a watchful, circumspect person who says, you know what? I'm just watching out for this church. I'm watching out for the unity. And I'm not going to let anything get in my heart that can turn me sideways of the way that we're moving. This church is moving. You believe that? This church is moving, not only location, but this church is moving by the Spirit. And I agree with what you said, brother. The, the, it's going to be revealed one day. They're going to say, where you been? Where, where, where have been the churches that will hold the standard with love and peace? That will have leaders in there who love people but won't put up with shenanigans? Come on, rebuke rebuke those that sin. Rebuke them. You know, oh, we want to love, love, love. But the Bible says rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine. It says to take care of business. Like a daddy in the house. Man, the worst thing is a daddy in the house that won't cover the family. You know, and the kids are wondering what's going on. You know, any time in my family there was a problem, a storm would be coming. I remember Hurricane George. We stayed and we boarded up the house and we had all our little family inside there and and it got to blowing pretty good you hear me but I never did lose my cool now well I was thinking to myself the wind is blowing real hard out there right now <laughs> do you understand I mean it's blowing hard but I'll tell you what I never let on that I was very concerned myself and maybe even had thoughts of how maybe we should have not stayed here but we're here now, and the whole family's in the bedroom, and they're all looking at Daddy, and so he's going to be strong. And you know, as a pastor, sometimes uh, everybody's looking at me or looking at you or looking at us, and, and you know, we, we may not know everything. We're just men, too. But we've got to at least stand strong in faith, believe in God, and not fall to pieces Hold the banner high. My pastor used to say the gospel ship is in the middle of the the storm. But just tie yourself down because she's not going to sink. You know, you might be thrashed all over the deck. But hang on. (coughs) So we're to make every effort to work hard to keep this unity. And I think in keeping unity, we've got to understand covenant. We've got to be covenant thinkers, folks. This thing of running all over, leaving, getting mad, tearing everything to pieces is not of God. Covenant people, I mean that's what marriage is. Marriage is a covenant. When I married this woman right here, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. Honestly, we were just kids and no one told us. But now I understand that we entered into a covenant and that means we are one and that's that. That means that we're going to work anything out that needs to be worked out. We're going to fix anything that's wrong, and if we can't fix it, we're going to learn to live with it. <laughs> Come on now. You can't fix everything. I know. It, you fix this, something else is going to break. You know what I mean? You ever get in an old house and, you know, you, well, you know, after you're married about 40 years old, you didn't up, that thing, so many times. sometimes you just say, baby, what do you say, we just agree together that we're just going to kind of not worry about that over there? <laughs> Amen. And that's what she says about him. She says, Lord, he ain't never going to change there, so just give me grace. And God gives grace. Covenant thinkers in the church through thick and thin, through the day of prosperity and the day of adversity. Oh, everybody wants to be with you on the day of prosperity. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Yes, we're going to build a new building. Praise the Lord. We see the land out there. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we were gonna do it in a year, but it didn't work out. We it, you know we got stopped. Oh well, I just don't know if this is the Lord now. Hear me now? You hear me? I, I thought this might have been the Lord, but hey, well, if it was the Lord, it would work out. Oh, come on. Yeah, just just hang right there. I, I plan on hanging right there for a little bit. I plan on as a matter of fact, this is my main point. <laughs> it's like oh hallelujah yes we're going to do a Jericho march around the new property praise God but then all of a sudden ticks get on you and fleas start biting you and and all these things start happening there's a delay here and a delay there and the fire marshal says no and you got to tear out that and put up that and oh well surely the pastor should know well he's not a general contractor we built five buildings let me tell you something right now you know I know now I tell you, the county is a tough taskmaster, you know, but it's for the good because you end up with the right thing and the building's done right and, you know, they know and they need to help you, but you've got to stick through it, you understand? It's like making a faith pledge. I noticed up there, you made some faith pledges? Praise God for faith pledges, the day of, uh, you know, prosperity, but will you keep the faith pledge in the day of adversity? I didn't get enough amens on that. Will you keep it in the day of adversity? Are you going to stick around when things get tough? Because they get tough in every church. I remember years ago, we were trying to build a church up. You know, we started with 30 people. And, you know, we tried. And every new family would come in. I would say, yes. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, man. And I'd see a minute. Come up. One brother came up and he said, I said, hey, how you doing? Oh, it's good to see you. Glad you came. Well... uh, we're thinking about coming here, and we like to stay around as long as the anointing is flowing. Back then, I, I, I just didn't know what to say. I said, Well, I hope so, you know. <laughs> Probably now it's say, check you later. You know what I mean? Another one came in, this family came in with three teenagers. Our whole youth group was six, six teenagers. <laughs> We had three teenage Oh, and it's like, oh. and I walked up, met them all. The first question the man asked me, I mean, this sharp family said, how many do you have in your youth group? I said, six. And that was the end of that. I said, why don't you hang around and make it nine? <laughs> they didn't. Covenant thinkers. No fair weather friends. Fair weather friends are anti-covenant. Just hanging around you when the sunshine, the picnic's going on. But when it starts raining and you got to start batting down the hatches. It's like consumerism. And we are in a very, very consumerized uh, economy and, 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 and culture. We like to just use things up, but we're just saying here that God, consume me. See, we want to consume things, but God wants to consume us. And covenant consumes us. It takes care of business. There's ownership. You see, when I go to the movies, I don't own the movies. And I don't go often, but every night and then there's a movie gym and I can go see. And we go and, you know, we walk up there and I buy some popcorn and a Coke. I don't care if the popcorn machine breaks down. I don't care if there's trash on the floor. It doesn't matter to me. All I care about is, is there a clean seat for me? I got my popcorn and my Coke and is the movie going to start on time and can I hear it and see it other than that I don't care I don't care if people dirty the place all up doesn't matter to me doesn't matter if kids try to sneak in and the cops come there and drag them out I drag them out you know I just keep watching the movie but I don't have any ownership in the theater I bought my ticket my ticket says I got a seat I give me my seat give me my popcorn and leave me alone and when the movie's over I walk out and I never look at anything I just walk straight out nearest exit get in my car and drive away I don't care who's got to clean it up I don't care who's got to maintain the the film and all that I could care less and that's how a lot of people are in church in the local church don't have a clue of what it takes to even do a Sunday morning service why because I got my parking place walked in paid my tithe that's my ticket I sit down in my chair and I just look and I consume and sometimes I like what I consume and sometimes I don't but you know what when you take ownership Everything changes. When you come in covenant, everything changes. You feel what other people feel. You feel what the music of feeling. You, you're in with them. You understand. You appreciate what it takes to do. You know what it takes to make music, to take people and make them play instruments together and start singing at the right time? If you've never tried it, you ought to try it. It's amazingly difficult. But yet we just come in and say, "Well, you know, the guitar was a little loud today." (laughs) Kind of that one song that I'm just camping out right here. That that one song, kind of. I was listening to it on the CD on the way in, and they kind of missed that little that little break there. You know, that that little break. I wish they'd have got that thing. Then the anointing would have come. That's how fickle we are. Am I I even in the ball field here? That's how fickle we get. You know, instead of zero in on the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, consume me from the inside out. I don't want to consume anything. This is what the Lord wants. This is where we are. You know, and about leaving churches. Oh, my, what is this about leaving churches? I I never did understand, and I really don't because I never thought about it. You know, Jan and I were born and raised Catholic, and we got saved when I was 27. She was 26, and and we found ourselves into a church like this, and the Holy Spirit spoke to us when we walked in the back. We didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. We used to call it the voice in our head. We did not know it was God, but we heard the same thing that we were home, and so we spent nine and a half years there, and then we went to pastor the church we're pastoring now, but I said that to say this, that in all of those years, not one time did we ever entertain the thought Did it never enter our minds to ever go to another church? It was like, like, matter of fact, I was, we were talking about it last night and, and I realized that it even scares me now to think about that. And, and then it makes me feel good that we never even thought about it. We were so naive. We didn't know you could even leave churches. (laughs) You, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, why would you ever want to leave a church? And we would listen to our pastor, sat on the second row, raised our whole family on the second row of the church. And we would listen to the priest three services a week. And we wouldn't disagree with anything. Now, now wait, pastor, you should have discernment about what's being t- No, I trusted my pastor. I trusted my pastor. I had my Bible. I studied my Bible. I had the Holy Spirit. And... He never said anything that was off the wall or crazy or lead us in the wrong direction. And so we never question him. Nowadays, it's the great third degree. I mean, get the turn up that light right on his head. <laughs> well, I was reading in a book, and I saw a DVD, and I was watching so-and-so on God TV. And they said, and they said, and they, were, and they said, and pastors said, and so, I'm not sure I can. Do you understand? I'm talking about unity. We hunkered down in Faith Tabernacle. That was the name of our church. They changed it now to Household of Faith, but Faith Tabernacle. You know, it was raised up in the charismatic, Faith Tabernacle. And we loved Faith Tabernacle. And we never questioned Faith Tabernacle. And we just worked in Faith Tabernacle. <laughs> Amen? And you know what? It equipped us to where we could take a church and raise up a wonderful church. So God evidently knew what he was doing with a bunch of little, two little old people didn't even know, called it the voice in our head. And he took us and he did something with us because we never bucked God's system. We never fought the leadership. We never judged the leadership. Man, they sing the little song. This is the day that the Lord had made 47 times in a row. And we would sing it 47 times in a row. You know what I'm talking about. I'm a tree, I'm a tree, I'm a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. And we would sing it with fervor every time. And we would sing it sometimes a hundred times. It didn't matter if you're to sing till we fall down. That's what y'all want. That's what we're going to do. We're on this team. Hallelujah. That's what we did. Do you do that? Does this sound legalistic that we should care for one another and be unified in a common cause? And be faithful. Oh, be faithful. Be faithful. Faithful every time the doors open. We never missed. She had three, two, two kids. Uh, one miscarriage. I never missed. I've only missed five church services in 28 years. Miss church. Who ever heard? Miss a tithe? Who, what? Miss a tithe? I haven't missed a tithe in 28 years. Not one time. Not one. Not one. W- not one. He said, well, you're a pastor. Before I was a pastor, I didn't even know what a pastor was. I was tithing. I tithed before I ever heard a message on tithing. The Holy Ghost inside said, give, because he's a giver. He consumes you, and then you do what he does. Does this sound legalistic? Oh, well, pastor, we can can do, we can, I don't have to go to church. What is this, legalism? No, 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 it's unity. Let me ask you something. If you were on a bowling team, Let's take a bowling team. You know, you know, the little shirt. Any of you bowling? Anybody on a bowling team in here? You in a bowling team? Are you on a bowling team? <laughs> right behind you, Pastor. You're on a bowling team, right? Let me ask you something. Now, I'm going to take a chance here. It, what, you bowl every uh, certain times? Saturday, say it's Saturday and you're in a tournament. And, the, and you're to bowl at 10 a.m. on Saturday. And you're not there. What's your team going to do? Mark you absent. (laughs) I took a chance. Mark you absent. Have that team captain call me. They should get on the phone and say, what's your name? Jesse? Jessica? Jessica, Jessica, where are you? We're in a tournament here. You're on a ball team. Where are you? Oh, but church. Oh, don't call anybody. Where, where are you? In my leadership meeting, my 12 meeting, if one of my guys is late, you know what we do? I just, I just tell what I'm going to say call up Joe. Right there, he f- takes out his phone, flips it. Hey, Joe, we're in a 12 meeting. Where are you? And I'll, I'll hear sometimes a scream on the other side of the phone.
2: Ah, oh!
0: And then about three minutes later, there Joe, oh, hairs all turned, <laughs> sweating. He forgot or whatever. You understand? I mean, we're a team. We're a team. We don't have a bench in the church to draw from. We're all on first string. Hallelujah. We're all to be here. We're all to be faithful. We're all to give to this building. And when you start working, if you're going to do any of the work, we're all going to do work. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're not consumers. Man, we're givers, you know. we we just moving. And then, can I just keep on? I'm still on this second point. Overcoming Offense talking about keeping unity in your family you can apply this on your job if you own a company you work in an office whatever this thing of offense has got to be dealt with once and for all this has got to be an anti-offense church you see not only that I do everything I can not to offend you you do everything you can not to offend me I do everything I can to help you not offend me okay that means if you say something dumb to me about me I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to protect you. You're going to protect me. And when we start doing that, all of a sudden, we're not going to be offended. If we're in true relationship together, we're going to admit when we're wrong. Go ahead and admit. Forgive the wrongs that are done to you. Will you cut it loose? Some people hang on to offense for 30 years of their life. Their bitter is killing them. Let go of the offense. Release completely. Never take up someone else's offense. This is how you protect your local body. So, Sally got mad with Kathy over there in the children's ministry because she uh, didn't treat her little Tommy the way she felt like she should. And so, Sally goes over to Judy and tells Judy over a cup of coffee. And Judy gets all upset about it and takes up the offense with Kathy. Or is it Sally? Well, we don't even remember anymore. (laughs) We're just mad. We don't even know, but we're mad. And who we end up getting mad at? We end up getting mad at the pastors. (laughs) Now we're laughing, but I'll tell you what, we could be crying, but let's keep laughing before we cry because it's so pitiful of people getting mad at one another on a continual basis. Why do you get so mad? Why? you got a hair trigger on your emotions. I mean, it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's the way the world is. You Man, you're at the red light, and when it turns green, if you don't go, I mean instantly. I mean, they're blowing their horn at you. I've had guys cuss me. Had, had a guy leaning out his window from his waist out the window. They're cussing me out. One guy stopped his van in the middle of the road and got out the window and was cussing at me. And I, I didn't even know why. I just went around him. I didn't even look at him. People are angry. They're upset, they're uptight, and they're offended at everything. I mean, just mad. The stewardess on the way over here was mad because we wouldn't leave the airport on time. I mean, I've never heard such, you ever heard such thing? She was ranting and raving at the other crew members, at the captain. I mean, it's time to close that door. We got to close that door. I thought, man, she uptight. <laughs> People are uptight. Men are uptight at their wives. Children are uptight at their parents. And then we get in the church, and we're supposed to be this unified body. One baptism, one Lord, one God, one Father in us all, through us all. And sometimes we fight like a cat and a dog, and we impede the progress of what God wants to do. It's a distraction, you see. But you see, that's what happens when we're a consumer. Because if I'm a consumer, let me tell you something. I want it my way or no way. You're going to cook that hamburger just like I like it, and I want three pickles, not just two. Take it back, and that's how we are, right? Take a 50-cent hamburger and make a big old deal out of it. Why? Because we're consuming, we're selfish, and we don't care. We fussed at the waitress because the, the meat's not cooked. We don't realize that she's a single mom with four kids, and two of them are sick right now, and she don't have enough money to pay the light bill, and we just giving her a hard time because the cook back there didn't cook our little piece of meat right. You see, we're consumers. That's what consumers do. And if not careful, we bring that into the church and then we do the same thing to the pastor or the worship leader or the usher or the children's worker or the nursery worker or the guy running the sound or anybody else. We just want to just eat their lunch and it causes all kinds of problems. And then when we pipe down our emotions, we act like, what's wrong? What what did I do? I did something. I know I did something. You know what I mean? And so we, we never take up these offenses. And, and we, we, we let love work things out. Let me tell you something. We've got to build up, not tear down. Uh, understand it's our duty. We have certain Christian duties to edify. We have duties to forbear, to console, and to restore. These are duties that each one. Now, I'm not talking about just <coughs> the leadership. I'm talking about everybody from this end of this section all the way to this end of this section. And all the way back. A personal responsibility to keep the unity of the faith. A personal responsibility to build up this church. A personal responsibility to build up the body of Christ. Watch your opinions. We all have our opinions. But you know what? Why don't we keep a bunch of them to ourselves? I mean, really and truly, opinions, you know, we all got so many. We're in America. We've got a lot of opinions but I found out that a lot of things, if I don't say anything, it's all right that I don't say something. Let's move off of this point. <laughs> and look at some of the results of unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the statue. Of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about. With every wind of doctrine. That's what the pastor just taught you about. Uh, Every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love. May grow up in all things into Him who is the Head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You could spend six months on that. But it really is a verse that says, you know what? God is given everything that's necessary, if we'll walk in unity, will result in, number one, maturity. Mature people that are not tossed to and fro, that will not run after every wind of doctrine or every new little thing that comes down that's got a little sparkle to it. You know, God doesn't need glitter. He's light. Understand that our God is light. He doesn't need flash in the pan stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't need to put on a show. He just comes in power. And when people, you know, when people have it, I love to be around people who, 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 who have things. Whether it's intellect or, or money or, 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 or they have security. They don't have to put on the dog. They just have it. You know what I mean? If a guy in his job is secure, he walks up to the piece of machinery and he operates it. He doesn't have to tell you how great he is. He shows you how great he is. And our God doesn't have to do all kind of weird stuff. He just comes in power. And when he comes in power, he comes to bring maturity. see, we have to put away childish things. This church is on the precipice of a great move in many different areas. And we have to put away childish things. When we were a child, we spoke as a child. We acted like a child. We played with little toys. But I tell you what, when we grew up, we put those things away. And we embrace things of Maturity. Things of leadership, things of of working in the kingdom, things that have the, their eye set upon the prize. Mature people are submitted people. Mature people understand the protocol. Mature people understand spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is not about you over me and you bigger than me, you better than me, you badder than me. This. <laughs> The only equal place in all of the world is the body of Christ. We're all under the blood. We've all been crucified with Christ. But for order's sake, God says, I'm going to structure it this way. I like to be under submission. Matter of fact, sometimes I wish I didn't have to be the leader. I'll tell you what, after you're a leader a while, you become a great follower. I'd be the greatest Sunday school teacher you could ever find in a million years if you turn me loose now. You see, maturity grow up with the team. Grow up with the team. Get on the team, and that way you get to uh, imbibe the spirit of the mature ones. When I first got saved and we went to faith, I remember the first men's work day. They were building desks for school, you know, these little petitions, and they had the guys that really knew what they were doing, and I was on this team, and We were cutting these certain boards, and my job was to hold the board until the man cut it and then stack it over here. I never felt so rewarded in all my life. I felt like I was 10 feet tall. I'm working at the church, and I'm doing something. And you know what? I never stopped it. I still hold boards for guys that saw. Just the other night, I was holding boards as they were sawing them and putting them in a stack. I've advanced in some areas, and other areas, I'm still the same. And that's where I was. So maturity. Another another result of unity is that of stability. Immovable in faith and single-mindedness. Now, by the way, unity is a flourishing environment. And here we are secure. We are stable. We are unmovable. I mean, we are right here, totally stabilized. There's nothing better than a stable church. There's, not, there's no better place to raise your kids than in a stable house of God that has the same standards as you have in your home. And if you can find a school with the same standards, if you're going to have home, church, and school all together on the same level playing field, your kids will run faster in life. Stable. Then there's security uh, in Jesus and His body. There's security underneath leadership What you heard your pastor do today, it makes this place so secure. I could just feel in the spirit this blanket that come over this congregation. And I was thinking, oh, man, just pull it up to the neck and take a nap. We're secure. We're secure here. Now, if you don't like this, you may not like it. If you don't want to be secure, if you don't want to be underneath that, but I believe you do. I believe you really do. I believe there's equipping. The result of unity is equipping. He says we've been raised up and covered by five full ministers to bring us into a place where we are built up and equipped to do the work of ministry. There is a time to be ministered to. And there's a time to minister. We are not only ministered to. Why are we ministered to? Why are we taught? Why are we instructed? Why are we corrected? Is it only just for my personal little life? That's consumerism. No, it's that I might be effectual to be used in the body of Christ to touch people who don't know God. Equipped. Unity causes us to be equipped. See, the church is to be like a classroom. That's quiet. Where the teacher is teaching so that everybody. You get an unruly student up in there. You know, we have a school, we've had a school for 15 years. You can, one unruly student can trash a classroom. Tear it all, if you ever taught school, you know what I'm talking about, taught anything. One unruly one falling out of his desk, laughing, throwing things and all that, disrupt. And unruly church people can disrupt the environment that causes this equipping. Then there's employment. We're released in the kingdom of God. That's why we are taught. And then there is building the kingdom. Now, legacy, listen, we're right here on the side of this street here in our little sanctuary. We're doing good, but there's a whole kingdom out there that we're part of. You know, I tell our people sometimes we're worshiping, but understand that we're worshiping with probably another 30 million people right now, maybe 100 million right now. It's not just about Northwood in our little building right here. We are together with the choruses of of heaven and earth working together and the church of Jesus Christ is doing a lot of work in the world and I want to be a part of it how about you I want to unify not only with myself and my God not only with me and my wife and my kids and grandkids not only with Northwood and what's going on there not only with legacy and what's going on here but with the whole body of Christ at least in spirit at least in the environment of unity seeing the kingdom of God brought together now one more verse I want to share and then we're finished I don't know if I put it up on the screen, but it's in the book of John chapter 17. And this is where Jesus was praying for unity. In verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me, praying to the Father, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Unity is essential for a bona fide witness to the lost. It's not just about us. It's about the world looking and saying, they've got it together. Oh, that's the way. We are being put on display to principalities for the Lord to be able to point to the church and say, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Here we are, folks. See, doesn't that bring it into a whole nother realm other than just, I don't, I, I'm kind of hot, the, the, the light's too dark, not dark enough, you know. All of a sudden now, God's got his own display. We've got to act right and do right so that principalities and powers and the people of this world can look and say, oh, that's what God looks like. That's what the church looks like. That's where we are today, folks. And it all starts with a personal relationship with God. It all starts with having our right heart unified with God. It's essential that we keep our heart right with God. Not our head only, but our heart. That we are convicted strongly when we sin. That we repent, we confess and we repent of our sin to state and state it in the kingdom of God. That's a decision that everyone has to make. Some of you may need to make that decision right now. And I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes with me for just a moment. Just bow your heads for just a moment. And examine your heart. You're in this room right now. I don't know who's visiting or the condition of everyone in this room. But I do know that the Lord always wants to give opportunity for people's hearts to be made whole and made right before Him. So if you're in this room right now and you've come into the house of God today and you're not assured in your heart about your relationship with God, you're you're just sitting there and saying, you know, I don't know that I'm right. Maybe you have sin in your life that's dominating you and you've never really been born again. You've never really given your heart to God completely. Had your sins removed and you're sitting there right now and you say, I'm ready, and I just want to work with you if that's you, if you're in here, and I'm just going to ask you if that's you, and you say, Pastor Van, I really want to get my heart straight with God this morning. I just want you to lift your hand right where you are. If there's anyone in here, you just take time now, you know. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am, right here to my left. You You want your heart right, and you want your sins removed. You want to be one with God. This is the first step to unity. You've got to unify with God. Anyone else in this room say, Pastor Van, that's me. I want to unify with God right now. This man and woman right here. I'm just going to ask you, this couple, you'll just get out of your seat and come stand with me right now. Right here. Just come on. That's right. You know, Jesus walked 650 feet, 650 yards to get to Calvary. And sometimes we just need to walk a few feet and just say, hey, you know what? God's the way. You know, God's your full answer to everything. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been with God or what. But I'm just going to pray with you. Pastor, do you know these two people right here? Okay, you know them. All right. Right now. I'm just going to, you know, you said my heart's not right. You said it's not right. And so I'm going to act like you never knew God before. And today we start right now. Now you've got to let him consume you, all right? This is the way it is. you ready for that? Your whole life has to change. I don't know where you are, but God does. So right now just say this with me right now. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me. Live inside of me, Lord,
2: Lord. and
0: change my life. life. I repent, repent. and I come to you with my whole heart, and I I will serve you for the rest of my life.
2: life.
0: In Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen and amen. Now, I want to encourage you that you start living a different way. You get underneath the leadership of this pastor. You get in a you get in a small group with men. You get in a small group with women. Change the whole way that you live. Sink in, become church people completely. Break all ties with ungodliness, even ungodly people. Whatever it takes, you understand. And let the Lord deliver you. There's a better way. There's a better life. Amen. Is that right? You ready for that? It's time for it. Isn't it? Okay. Amen. Thank y'all. Come on, give them some encouragement. Hallelujah. (laughs) You can just sit down.
2: You still sit down. God's gonna change your life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes people try several times. You know what I mean? And then they just finally hitch in. But now, the real question is this legacy. How many of you are really ready to unify in the spirit and in the flesh with the mind behind these two people right here? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Now, you see what you just did by standing up? Just stay standing up. That's good. That's a, that's a, a show of honor. You know, and I'm just going to be honest, you know, speak to you as a pastor. There's nothing more precious outside of the presence of God and his acceptance than to know that the flock that you've been called by God to shepherd is willing to work with you. You know, God said, let us make man in our image, and he did that. And then we, we read further on in the Bible that people got together that were even ungodly, that when they unified, they began to build a tower. And God said, you know what, they're, they're like one person, and, and if, if we don't do something about it, they're going to build this tower all the way into heaven. Nothing can be, uh, be withheld from them. They're on target with this thing. How much more people who love God and unify together what God can do? I mean, it's just endless. It's wonderful. I, I, am, I feel such a great excitement and, and such a great ability, bro, to, to see this thing come to pass. And again, it's not just to buy land and get in a building. That, that's where, we, where we're going, but it's what we're going to do when we get there. And not only for a year or two or five or ten, we're talking about a legacy. The name of this church is wonderful. You're going to leave a legacy. Somebody's going to pick it up and it's just going to grow. And I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm telling you that that all of the ingredients for for a a tremendous no, it is already tremendous. The potential. Look, I just had a little grandbaby about three weeks ago and he's just a little bitty guy. But you know, everything that's he needs to be a full-grown adult is already in him and that's what I'm trying to say here I'm not trying to say boy you one day you're gonna be a great church you're already a great church you don't get a great church because you get big that's not that's not what it's about you know but the potential to be a greater influence and to touch more souls is right here leadership of a visionary with a prophetic edge obvious right there the gift, character to back it up. A man and a woman who have been through many storms and have been seasoned and matured through those storms with their heads screwed on straight. Thank God that I get to sit with people that are not crazy, that got their heads screwed on straight and their heart in the right place. Hallelujah. And we, we need to talk like this. We, we, we can't always just preach the message and we've got to we've got to talk common sense talk that says you know what you've got to unify together and you've got to give your money to this project it takes money you know that you know that and and so it's a no brainer so we're going to be givers hallelujah matter of fact we're going to send a seed from our church into here I can tell you that right now I mean I just feel that that's the leading of the spirit And, and, and just as a to help to be a part and you do your part. You know, we've done a lot at Northwood and we don't no rich people in our church. We don't have anybody with a lot of money, but we just got a bunch of regular folk that have been faithful week in and week out, week in and week out. When Katrina hit, we held the next church service underneath a tree in the back, and we had 150 people. We took up a little offering, and but you know what? The next week people came in and the, and the, the offering, the tithes were double. People held their tithe in their pocket and they gave it. Even with their house blowed up, it didn't matter. They gave it. The, that's what it takes if we're going to build the church. That's the type of people you are. And if you're not that, that's the type of people you must become. Faithful to the end. Core people. Man, if you're on the fringe of this church and you're just hanging out, it's time to come on in yeah. to the to the core. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm just wondering, I mean, is anybody here, you, like, you feel like you're on the core, you know, I mean, you're on the, the edge, the fringe of the church, and you're just feeling like you need to make a step further in to the core. Anybody like that? You, you just, would anybody admit that they're just fringe people? <laughs> I could give you the definition, but we're out of time. But you know what? I like to pray with you, Really. You you know, I don't need to get everybody up in the altar. I really don't. You've already been at the altar. You already know what to do. All you've got to do is continue to do it. But I believe that God's got something great. And we're going to pray a blessing. And I'm not, I mean really, we're going to pray a blessing. And pray that every obstacle to where you're headed is taken out of the way. And And we're going to release the provision of God far as finances are concerned and I don't know how they're going to come we've been prophesied over God's going to do this God's going to do that some of it came some of it didn't I don't know but what God did is he brought people who are faithful and that's enough you're ready for that father in the name of Jesus just begin to pray with me just for unity father I just ask you right now and we agree together as touching legacy church that lord god there's a new realm of unity like never before Father, as these have stood up and clapped and, and, and dedicated themselves, I thank you that you're going to knit all of that together in one immovable body with a great destination, a great vision for the future. We pray, Lord God, and we release uh, as it were, Father, your anointing, you said that when they're unified, it would be like oil running down the head, even on down the beard, God, and there you would command the blessing, and so Father, we receive that commanded blessing, not only life forevermore, but Lord God, life now. You said that you've come to bring us life, and that more abundantly, Lord, and so we receive that and release it into this fellowship in the name of Jesus, and Lord, I thank you right now. That wherever you have led us before, you have always provided. Even in the dark days when there didn't seem to be any light at all. Father, you provided for this man and woman of God and for this church. And Lord, you have raised them up right now for just a time like this. And Lord God, right now we just believe in faith and release the finances that are necessary to accomplish this task that's been set before them, Father. We thank you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything we're able to ask or even think Lord God you are great our Father you have called us your friend Lord this is your kingdom your commission your mandate Father that we go out and win souls and that we baptize them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Ghost and so Lord God we receive that commission and all of the provisions that go with it we bless Pastor Kevin Pastor Tracy we bless them in the name of Jesus we unite and our hearts with them completely Father in this task this one thing we see this one thing we know we shall stand unified and Father if you will for us who can be against us? And you have promised us that you are with us even to the ends of the world. And you have told us that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We receive that. We love it, Lord God. We embrace it with all of our heart. And we thank you for the victory in the name of Jesus. And everybody shouted, Amen, and Amen, and Amen.
1: And we just don't know what we do without just ordinary folk. I, we're just all ordinary folk, aren't we? And you know what? It, there may have been a day we were something or someone, but God says squished that. And now he's just made us ordinary people. But he does extraordinary things with ordinary people. He sure does, and he's going to do that. Amen. I'm full this morning. I'm going to ask the guys, come on down in just a minute. Scripture says that those who minister spiritual things to us, we are to respond in natural ways. And one of the ways we do that is by just out of love and graciousness, sow an offering. And so uh, we're going to receive an offering for Pastor Van and Jan, and it's just our way to sow seed into what they're doing. And we do this every time we have a guest. And so... uh, we want to encourage you to be a blessing to them they 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 are such a blessing to us I just as I you maybe you can't imagine not having a church or not having a pastor And for some of you you have knit into the place where you've even told me and said pastor we couldn't imagine you not even being here anymore and I'm, I'm glad to report to you uh, unless God takes me and and I never say never I've learned you know something in heaven perks up when you say never but but we're here In Charleston, South Carolina, and just as that might be meaningful to you, I'm telling you how meaningful it is to your pastors, just to have people you can call and laugh and visit and share and bounce things off, and it's just a a wonderful thing. God set it up right. If you just do it God's way, it's always the right way. And so just as you would love us, we would want you to love them, and uh, I believe that the Dakotis are going to hang around us a while and get to watch all these neat things come to pass so I encourage you to be generous to be loving and uh, to do some things maybe even in faith believing that God will work through this even to help us in our future amen you can write your checks if you'd like the legacy we always pull it together every single dime goes to them and so you can rest assured of that so if you're ready to receive an offering if, if you're writing a check and the receptacle comes by just hold it for a minute alright We want to be sure we receive it. So gentlemen, you can go ahead and release and wait upon the people right now. You guys got a Bethany, one of those Bethany CDs queued up like what we do during announcement time? And we need something zippy. Something with some Holy Ghost zip in it. Isn't that true? The Spirit of God, sometimes He's sweet and loving and sometimes He's just zippy. You guys ready back there? Come on. Turn it up a little bit. You can stand up and put your hands together.
2: Some of you know the song. You can just sing along. Ready? <laughs>